lovely time, but it's good to be back. We've had a good holiday, well rested. I appreciate that a lot of people were tired at the end of the the building project and not many of you have managed to get seven weeks off. So uh, we are well rested. I've done a lot of reading, watched a lot of good DVDs. um, And I've been blessed. And uh, what you just saw is part of that part of a, a Rob Bell uh, a Rob Bell DVD that we've got that we'll show here it lasts about an hour and 20 minutes it is exceptional it is exceptional but this, that was just a little bit I, it just grabbed me that we are right in the middle of the vastness and the smallness there we are the human race right in the middle so precious to him made in this image how great is our God Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. And when you see the vastness, I'll pinch that from you. That was Lamentations 3 last week. That was David. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. He is such an enormous God, it is not possible for our heads to get around it. But in a sense, it is possible for our hearts to get around it. So, mathematics don't really do it for you, not really it just, we can play games with them and it's fun but it's the heart that's where we're going to get to know the Lord is in the heart we're the centre of his creation the pinnacle of his creation made in his image fearfully and wonderfully made in the last half of my life they've discovered DNA and I don't know much about it except the sort of pictures you see of this spirally thing. And they say if you, if you sort of pull it straight, each sort of DNA is six feet long. Do you know the DNA in me, put end to end, would go to the sun and back 400 times? Hey. And if a bit of it isn't quite right, then I wouldn't be quite right. It's... <laughs> I asked for that alright Graham thank you phenomenal phenomenal our creator God and yet this creator is prepared to come as a baby at Bethlehem to come in yes he was coming into the praises of the people they didn't know who they were praising They thought they were praising the king that was sent in the name of Jehovah to bring vengeance on the Romans. That's what they thought. They didn't realise that he was the creator of this enormous, you know, the hugeness and the vastness of the entire universe. They had no idea who he was. But when he came, he ushered in a new order. He ushered in the kingdom of God. In Luke 16, Jesus said, the law and the prophets in the Old Testament are up till John. And after that, the kingdom of God is preached. 
Law and the prophets, all through, pointing to, one of our hymns said that this morning, pointing to the coming Christ. Law and the prophets are up until John the Baptist, who came declaring, making a way, calling to repentance for Jesus Christ the Messiah. The law and the prophets were needed because the law and the prophets were what exposed our sin. We couldn't keep the law. It was not possible to keep the law. The Pharisees pretended they kept it, but of course they didn't. We couldn't keep the law. The answer was for Jesus to come, the Son of God. We needed a Saviour. And the law and the prophets point to it. All the prophecies of Jesus. The day that he came into Jerusalem on the donkey was prophesied and he came on the right day of course I think it was Daniel ask your young people who are in TLC Sharon's talking to them about it this morning the law and the prophets pointed toward Jesus Christ we live not in that time but we live in the day of grace and whilst our God may be enormous he is always good you know, we learned at New Wine, didn't we? God is good. All the time. All the time, God is good. Amen? Amen. 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 Jesus taught his twelve. And he taught them and, and told them to go and preach the kingdom of God. To heal the sick, to cleanse the leper, to raise the dead. And then a bit later on, from twelve, he then sent out seventy-two. And he told them just the same. Preach the kingdom of God is here. Heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. Raise the dead. That was and is and is the gospel. The law and the prophets were until John. Then the Son of God came and he brought his kingdom with him. He has brought his kingdom with him. Such that nothing is impossible. So not only is... God is good, but nothing is impossible. And Jesus has won the victory. We should be celebrating. Yes, celebrating. It's resurrection weekend next weekend. Yes, Good Friday comes before, but it's Friday, but Sunday's coming, as Campola would tell you. And we celebrate the risen Lord. Because on that cross, he won the victory. So we fight from victory, not for it. Now you might begin to recollect, those of you who were here when I spoke on a bit of this before, but God is good. Nothing is impossible. We do fight from victory, not for it. We, the church, the bride of Christ, we fight from victory. We got the ball. We got the ball. We shouldn't be playing defensive. I'm not a sports person, as those of you who know me know. But I did watch part of Wales versus France on the rugby yesterday, and they deserved to win. They had the ball, and they took it into the French half. And they were playing for victory. But through Christ, we the church, have already the victory. Yet, we as church so often play defensive. As if the devil's got the ball. 
We're not playing with a kingdom reality. We're sort of still playing with the Old Testament reality. The law and the prophets were until John. Now, the kingdom of God is here. The Old Testament reality was, if you touched a leper, you became unclean. You touch a leper, you became unclean. Old Testament. New Testament, you touch the leper, and he becomes clean. That's the, that's the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus did, and what he asked his 12 to do, and what he asked his 72 to do. He said, go cleanse the leper. The Old Testament, don't touch a leper because you'll become unclean. New Testament, yeah, go touch the leper. Go into the world. Go sit with the prostitutes as Jesus did. Go into the prisons as Tom is talking to us about. And take the kingdom with you. Because you, if you're a believer, are a son of the living God. An heir to what Jesus was heir to. Take the kingdom with you. It's not just for me, it's for you, it's for everyone, for whosoever will may be part of the New Testament reality of the kingdom of God. I'm not insignificant. And that's not puffing myself up. I'm not insignificant, neither are you. If you say you're insignificant and at the same time say you're a son of God, then somewhere or other, these things, two things don't balance. We are not insignificant. Isaiah knew that. Isaiah 60, verses... 1 to 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness covers the people. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your lights, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. This was Old Testament pointing to the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But then he said, you are the light of the world. That's me. That's you. So it's a rise, shine. It's not even a rise, reflect. It's a rise, shine. In John 7, Jesus said, those that are thirsty, come to me and drink. And out of them will flow rivers of living water. So you're going to have a drink. We tend to think of that with a cup, something fairly insignificant, but out of us flows rivers of living water. And that's what we're meant to be doing. That's who we are. Arise, shine. There is a lot of darkness in the world. But if there's darkness in the world, how much brighter does the light appear to be? If you go into a jeweller's and you want a real beautiful diamond... I never have, but if you do, you will find that he will, he will mount that on a piece of black velvet. Because against the background of the black velvet, you see all the facets of this diamond. He doesn't put it in with a load of broken glass or whatever. He puts it against the background of darkness. Can I have a Arise, shine again. Because it talks about the darkness. See, darkness covers the earth, thick darkness covers the people, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory appear over you. 
Yes, it is dark out there. But he's calling us to arise and to shine. Arise, shine. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Are we ready for that? The glory of the Lord rises upon you. And yet, in this week, as we think about what happened to Jesus' life, you have that whole long dialogue of Jesus praying to his Father in John 17, and he says, Give them the glory that you gave me. Give them the glory that you gave me. I have given them, it says. I have given them the glory that you gave me. So we can arise, we can shine. Somewhere in Acts, I didn't find it, I'm fairly certain it's in Acts, um, the, some of the disciples were being persecuted, and those that were persecuting came to realise, and they said, they have been with Jesus. Oh, that they would say of us, we can see that you have been with Jesus. That they should see God at work. Now, that happens sometimes. You know, even here, that happens sometimes. We've had people come here on holiday. They'll be holidaying in the Wedmore area. And um, they, will be, they will be told by their unbelieving host that God's at work in this place. Now, that's great, isn't it? If strangers are coming to the area and being told by unbelieving people, well, actually, if, if it's God that you're looking for, he's, he's sort of doing something up there. And he has, and he is, and we praise him for it, because it's to his glory. This testimony is, this, this building is a testimony to that great story. But it's not ending there because there's a vision for the future. We have had prophecies for the future. And we need to pray into whatever God has for us. And we're having a half night of prayer on Thursday night, starting 8 o'clock. I shall try and get here. I'm coming back through the holiday traffic from North Wales, so I may not make 8 o'clock, but I'm coming. But we need to pray. We need to worship. It's going to be a time when we will be worshipping. We want to come into the presence, the very presence of God. We want to seek his face. I want to seek his face personally as well as corporately. And there can be time for that. Although we're gathering here, there can be time for us to seek his face personally as well as corporately. It's about the kingdom of God coming. It's about thy will be done on earth as in heaven. It's the model that the Father gave us. Jesus is the model. That's what we're meant to be trying to follow here. Jesus is perfect theology. We're told he perfectly represented the Father. So there's my model. That's what I'm trying to live up to. There's no other standard to contend for. There's just Jesus. That's enough. But, you know, there's, there's Jesus. That is it. And he says, we are it. You are the light, so shine. Preach the kingdom of God at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. In this week, when Jesus was going in and out of Jerusalem, he always went back to Bethany. He went back to a place of intimacy. 
And all of, all of what we are going to be in Christ will have to come out of a place of intimacy. He went back to a place of intimacy. But one of those days, he was going to and fro. He saw this fig tree and he went to pick a fig. Now, I don't know why he did it, because it says in the scriptures that it wasn't the time for figs. So he went to this tree and he looked amongst the leaves and there were no figs on it. And he cursed the tree. And I've never really got my head around that. But And the tree withered. But Jesus is the only one with the right to expect fruit of the impossible. Jesus is the only one with the right to expect the fruit of the impossible. He's put the spirit of the resurrected Christ in us to give us access to things that are out of reach at a human level. If we're going to do church at a human level, then that's not the kingdom of God. That's just me doing my bit as best I can. And that's not what it is. That's not the kingdom. That's not the preach the kingdom. That's not the raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the leper. It's the things that are beyond my capacity that I need him for, that only he can do. The miracles that we've had in this place, that only he could do. You know, this place was built with dedication of time and ability by those that that were putting the effort in. It was a dedication of time, it took seven years, and their ability. And we learnt a lot of ability on the way. But there were times when things were beyond the ability of us or the capacity of us and there God gloriously stepped in and provided all we needed. We did what we could, but God provided what we could not. And if we're going to bring the kingdom, there's going to be a lot that we cannot without him. It's got to be with him. It's got to, therefore, come from intimacy. That's our testimony. And also, we mustn't forget how we got here. It was a prophecy. God gave us a prophecy. And I was thinking, well, what were we doing when God gave us a prophecy? I'll tell you what we're doing. I've had time to think about it over these seven weeks. We were chasing intimacy. We were going to Sunderland. We were going to, to um, Warwick up to Stonely. We were going to Soul Survival. We were going wherever it was, wherever we felt there was the anointing of God, we were off. Camper, tent, whatever it was, in tow, and we were off. And we were in that place, I guess, when something so stupid to the human that God in this place, you know, Bagley, no houses, is going to increase the church threefold. We were ready, because of that place of intimacy, that chasing after God, we were ready to take. Now, I'm not trying to puff myself up here. I'm just saying that if you want, and if I want, to see the works of God, then we need to be in a place of intimacy with him. And in that chasing, a stranger comes up and gives me a, a crazy prophecy which the Spirit of God so filled me with that I, I knew it was true when we bought the land. I knew it was true. And we mustn't forget that. And then from that, the provisions, all the provisions that God gave us. When we needed expertise, it just seemed to pop off the road to us. And it was, 
You've heard the DVD. You know, you know the story. But you see, Israel forgot the supernatural intervention of God and that's when their backsliding began. There was less conversation about the supernatural. There was less expectation that there'd be supernatural. There was less faith that there would be supernatural and so less happened because it's dependent on faith. A downward spiral that ended up in idolatry and sin for the Israelites. Interesting what it says in Joshua 24. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua. So they weren't serving idols, they were serving the Lord. Israel served the Lord throughout the time of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him, who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. They had experienced the supernatural. And so that Israel served the Lord throughout Joshua's time and those elders who had experienced it. But after that, you've only got to turn the page and you start into Judges. And there you find that they backslide and then different judges are raised up by God to try and draw them back. My vision for this church is that all the prophecies that we have had will come as we seek intimacy with the Lord. Personally, corporately. I want to host the presence of the Holy Spirit. We should actually make a difference. When we walk in somewhere, we should actually make a difference. If we are hosting the Spirit of Almighty God, then we, when we walk into a prison, God walks in with us. If we walk into a hospital and someone's chances of survival is a million to one, when we walk in, the odds change. Now I know we don't see everyone healed that we pray for. But I'm going to concentrate on my experience of what God has done for me. Not on the things where it didn't happen. Because I don't understand that. I don't need to. The Holy Spirit is in me for my benefit. Jesus said that. He said, I need to leave. It's better for you if I leave. Go back to heaven. Because I'm going to send the comforter and he will be within you and he will be your strength. He will be your guide. He will be your tutor. So the Holy Spirit is in me for my, for my benefit. That's the promise of God. These are upon me for the benefit of those I come in contact with. I want to host his presence. And it's beyond my human capacity. You know, I can put one block on top of the other and I can do a bit of electrics and I can do various things that I've got abilities for. Just like you. But I want to host his presence and that is beyond my capacity unless he comes. When will he come? He will come when I seek him with all my heart. When I seek him with all my heart. Charles Finney that great evangelist, he, he walked into a factory one day, didn't say a word, just walked into the factory, and as he walked in, people dropped to their knees until the factory came to a halt. Now, I don't know if the owner was a, a, a believer or not, but he obviously was also moved because he said, right, that's it, no factory, no factory work, preach, preach the gospel. But when he walked in, the presence he carried, 
And people dropped to their knees because he carried the very presence of God. It's what we need. came through times of intimacy. I'm going to read you something that was given me and I've, I've passed this on many times. It's something I've prayed over many of you. I've prayed it over the families at dedications. I've prayed it over children. I've prayed it over those being baptised. You know it very well. But before ever i prayed it over anyone, it was prayed over me. I think it was August Erickson, and so that must put it back 20 years ago. But this is what he prayed over me. And it's straight scripture. And you know it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. He's a good God. He's a good God. And my God, nothing is impossible. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. He's a good God, my God. And that was what was prayed over me. Then you will call upon me. Intimacy. You will come and pray to me. Intimacy. And I will listen. You know, this God that is so immense we can't understand. And he will listen to me. Yes, it says, he will listen to me. Intimacy. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's where I'm off, folks. I'm off to chase after the intimacy of God. That's what I want. That's what I'm desperate for. Because I want the presence. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you. He's not hiding. I I will be found by you, declares the Lord. We've dedicated this building. We dedicated a week, I think it was, before we opened. And as we opened it, we gave God the glory and, and we thank God for the, the blessing, not only of having a building like this, but in the, in the getting of it and how it came. And on this Palm Sunday, as we, I hope, have, have a little more sense of how big not only the universe is, but how big this King of Kings is that comes to us on Palm Sunday. He came riding on a donkey. He is now high and lifted up. Can we welcome him in? I'd like four of you at the back, anyone, just to hold those four doors open. Symbolically. And I'm standing, and anyone else who wants to welcome the King of Glory in, then you stand. That doesn't mean everyone's got to stand, you please yourselves. I'm just, I'm just talking from in here. This is who I am. This is what I want. And this is how we get what we want. It's in intimacy with the living God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we're holding the doors open. We're going to stand. Those of us who want to welcome in the King of Kings. Andy, can you just play us something? Let's, let's just sing something as we finish. Just to, to uh, lift his name high.
because he is the king of glory. Amen.